Papermen meet such interesting... Coming up on the Media Project, Helen Chartok, Rosemary Armeo, Judy Patrick, and me, Rex Smith, with a conversation about what's been going on in the media in recent weeks. We'll especially take a look at this notion. If American democracy is going to survive, the media must start reporting about it more. Do you agree or not? We're going to talk about that and especially about Sean Hannity. Join us for Media Project. It's coming up next. They wallow in corruption. Papermen meet such interesting people. They know the lowdown, now it can be told. I'll tell you quite reliably off the record about some charming people I have known. For I meet politicians and grafters by the score. Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore. Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people. They wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery. She wanted money media Project gives you a half hour of commentary and analysis on what's going on in the news media from the perspective of some veteran journalists, and we thank you for joining us. I'm Rex Smith from the Upstate American, formerly editor of the Times Union, here with Alan Shartok, the CEO of Northeast Public Radio. You doing okay there, Alan? I am, but I do have a question for you, Rex, our leader. What is the Upstate American, oh. and how can people get it? Thank you for asking. Upstate American is a weekly analysis written by Rex Smith. That would be me. Just go to www.upstateamerican.com. And you know, you don't even have to pay for it if you don't want to. You can subscribe if you like, but we understand that a lot of people want stuff for free. So there's a little collection of news items from around the country from little local newspapers that I read and gives you a little perspective. The notion is sometimes you find the truth by being a little bit apart from the center of things, which is what Upstate is. It's upstateamerican.com if anybody wants to see it. That's correct. Thank you. Very kind. Rosemary Armeo is here back. I haven't actually seen you, Rosemary, since you got back from your big voyage. You were off in the Greek islands and everything. Wow. I broke out of America for a little while and now seems like the lid slamming shut. Yeah, I think you got out when it was possible and made a lot of us very envious. And Judy Patrick is here from, well, further upstate. <laughs> not, not exactly Greece, but how are you doing, Judy? I'm swimming in snow here, but glad to be with you. Yeah, that's a good thing. You know, we've often talked on this show about the big issues 
climate change, COVID, the stories that we've been covering, the great media columnist Margaret Sullivan, our friend who used to be the editor of the Buffalo News, puts forth the notion, we are not doing enough, we the media in general, covering what ought to be the huge story that American democracy is dying. She says if American democracy is going to survive, the media must make a crucial shift We need to make it, as she says, the central focus of the work that we present to the public. So I just want to ask you all to think about that and to say, what could we do? Alan, since you're the – I'm sorry, Alan, the wise old man of the show. Take take it back. Take it back. Uh, There was a compliment embedded in a little insult there. What do you think, Alan? What could we do? I mean the president says democracy is at risk. What should we be doing? Well, first of all, what you just said is very important. You've got to cover the people who are really repelling the attack, and it is an attack. We have a past president of the United States, and more and more of what we're seeing from the January 6th committee in the United States Congress says that basically, in my view, this is Alan speaking now, the guy's a fascist, and he wants to impose a fascist group of rules on the United States. And so it is the job of the media to call him out, to say this is what he's doing and this is how he's doing it. And there's never enough because if he wins, the United States and the democracy are done. And so I truly believe that it is on the news media and the news media has a great deal to say about what people know. Because as one wise man once said, the people don't know nothing. And Rosemary has talked about this a lot. We do need to repel this because if we don't do it now, we've got the makings of a Hitler Germany all over again. So, Rosemary, what ideas do you have for how to do that? Well, okay. first of all, I want to refute Margaret Sullivan's whole idea. Not long ago, she was saying we should make climate change the center of all of our coverage and everything should devolve around that and be related to that. So I don't think that's the role of the media. The media has to cover a whole lot of things. And that's why we're always subject to the charge of, oh, they didn't pay any attention to this because we're paying attention to a lot of things. Second, there is a huge danger, we're already seeing it, that we're covering it too much, so that we're turning off one whole huge section, maybe even half of the population, which thinks that we're out to get Trump and out after them as well, them being people who agree with Trump and his ideas, his authoritarian ideas. So I would take a different tact, and I think the media needs to start doing some actual lobbying, and that means going after Fox News. We should be calling out Fox News and Hannity, who is now using a First Amendment defense to um, defend his actions as a basically a White House operative who got tons of free airtime from Fox to spew his lies. And he's now classing himself along with the rest of the media. We need to get rid of that kind of idea that Hannity represents anything that the First Amendment is supposed to protect. I think that we should be writing lots more about Liz Cheney and Adam Kissinger and the other Republicans who have taken a stand. We've seen only to be covering their announcements that they're not going to run anymore. And the roundtable, we talked about that Ted Koppel show where he went down to North Carolina, talked to people about their views on the big lie and on the insurrection. They don't see it the same way. And we need to be examining that up closely. What are they learning in schools? What's happening that people think so differently from each other? We, We have not got to the core of that. We yell at each other. That seems to be it. Rosemary, isn't there something like right and wrong here? It sounds to me like you're critiquing the argumentation, but it does seem to me that we have a potential fascist who wants to take over the United States. And it is up to the news media to opine and to write about it. 
Well, I think the media is doing that, and they have made it clear they think he's the next Hitler, and that has not helped bring us together. It has not changed anybody's mind. Yes, I do believe it, but I don't want to talk that way anymore. I want to find some other way to talk to people who think that Trump is the answer. So, Judy, here's an idea that maybe you could uh, react to. Margaret Sullivan says it should include, that is the coverage, a new emphasis on those who are fighting to preserve voting rights and defend democratic norms. That's sort of the positive side. If Rosemary is saying it doesn't work for us to focus on the negative. You think that's true? Would that work? I think it's certainly a step in the right direction. A lot of this could be accomplished at the local level. We tend to think of this as a big national issue, and that's hard for the average person to put their arms around in many ways. There are a lot of things happening at the local level that the news media needs to pay attention to and other things they need to not pay attention to. Right now, you're getting a lot of coverage at the local level of anti-vaccine or the people who believe in the big lie. I think instead of giving oxygen to that kind of coverage, we need to do focus more on the people who are standing up and doing the right things. For example, if you remember back in the fall, we had all these school board meetings where people were coming forward and, you know, you had the anti-masking and the anti-vaccine mandate crowd coming forward. And we should be taking a harder look at what's happening, who's fueling this, and asking the hard questions that local journalists can ask instead of CNN does a lot of this big lie coverage. And in my view, you tend to glaze over it at some point. It's so redundant. Instead of being interesting and taking it places like who funded different aspects of the big lie, how did it actually come about? They tend to be repetitive and it tends to become something that people ignore. Yes, but that is difficult. I think that the point that Rosemary mentioned is that uh, we're not getting to the people who are the articulators of these negative views, the people who don't believe anything that we're publishing anyway. There's a point that's made by some recent research that when we look at building our audience, our radio audience, our TV audience, our readers, if you're still in print, we're looking at the people who are already likely readers, likely viewers, rather than going after the people who are hostile. And I don't know how you make progress as a society if you're just going to sort of write off this huge portion of people, the 40 percent of Republicans, let's say, who believe Trump's big lie theory. I'm not sure how to reach those people. Do you have any ideas, Alan? Yes, I do have some ideas, and that is it has to be played straight. I'm not at all worried about offending the people who are subscribers to the big lie. I think you have to go forward. If you're right, you have to say it. You have to present it. You can certainly present their arguments. There's no problem with that. But you darn well better confront it now or the results in this country are going to be disastrous. But you're not going to get them. The problem is the people who listen to us on this show, for example, or to your morning commentaries, are not those people. They're off uh, listening to the screamers on the AM band uh, who are telling them that they're right and that the media is the enemy. But Rex, they're 30 percent of them, and it's not that big an audience. In other words, it's enough to make you hold on for dear life when they get up to attack the Capitol. But when you look at the numbers, there just aren't that many of them. You have a majority. One of the reasons Trump must be thinking very clearly about whether he wants to run for president again is he knows that the people are not with him. I think Dave Barry in his annual rundown of the year had a really funny comment about how all the people continue to resist the vaccine despite being told over and over by the media what idiots they are. An argument, he says, tongue in cheek, that usually works. 
that's what we're doing here. I think we're turning off not only people who disagree, who are on the Trump big lie side, but even those of us who think it's a horror and a nightmare, we're sick of hearing it. We're seeing reduced numbers of people watching television news and we're bombarded. I think people are screaming for advice and information on what they can do. One step in the right direction was Jimmy Carter, a man who not only was, okay, he's a Democrat, but in the years since he left the White House, he's become a a world statesman and an advocate for voter rights. He wrote a wonderful column about the danger that we're facing. And I think that needs to be hammered home. It has to come from people who are respected in the community and are not part of the fray anymore. Carter has nothing to gain or lose. He's not going to be around that much longer, frankly. And so he's speaking to people who are the future. And we need to do that more. And I can't emphasize enough that every time Fox puts out a story like the ones that they have been on both the virus and on the big lie. It has to be countered by other media. We have got to point out they said this, but here's the fact. Fact-checking Fox News. I couldn't agree with you more, and I think every journalism program in the country, if you're training young journalists, you need to tell them you cannot work for Fox News. You can't take a paycheck from Rupert Murdoch if you are going to consider yourself to be a reputable journalist. There is no such thing as reputable journalism at Fox News because it's all tainted by this terrible thing that they're doing. But there's still millions of people, though you can take comfort from this. Tucker Carlson Tonight, the biggest show on cable news, has an average audience of 3.2 million viewers. That's a lot. But ABC's World News Tonight with David Muir, that's the most watched daily newscast, they have 8.2 million, more than twice the audience of Tucker Carlson. So there is still an audience. I think this is to Alan's point. There's still a larger audience for reputable media than for Fox. It's just that (laughs) Hang on, as Helen said, Fox is going to cause us a hell of a lot of trouble, right? Right. Every listener of the show, every time you go into a doctor's office or a waiting room, if we go into many more, we're all kind of locked down now, but every time you go into a place, an airport where Fox News is on, complain. When you go into a hotel and the news is automatically set to Fox and there's no MSNBC, complain. Because, yes, they have a smaller audience, but the access is unbelievable. And it's everywhere. It's in all the public places that I have been. And this is in not just international places. It's in blue states like New York. Why is that so? Well, let me ask you a question, Rosemary, because I have such profound respect for you, as you know. And that is, have you ever complained? You're asking me if I have ever complained? Of course I have. Everybody I see, every friend, every high school colleague who defends the big lie, I go after them and call out the fake news they're using, call out their sources. Yes, I think Judy said it. This is something at not just a local level, but the micro-local level. These are our friends and our relatives who think in this what we see as a wrong way. And to persuade them, you can't yell at, cousin dear, I love you, but you're an idiot. Your grammar sucks. You can't do that. It doesn't work. I've tried it. Okay, so just for the sake of educating me and our audience, can you give us a role play? In other words, can you tell us one time when you did it and what the response has been from the guy in the blue jacket behind the um, counter? Yeah, I mean, I pretend to be polite and I go up and say, excuse me, but you have to put it on another channel. That's just, I'm sorry, it's objectionable. Many people in here don't like it. I won't say anything, but I will. Please, can you change it to something else? Even Oprah would be better. Yeah, the car dealer had it on the other day. What do they say? They scramble to do it because people are sheep. And many people may be thinking this, but they don't do it. So I'm saying do it. If this is what's being blasted out there, don't stand for it. I mean, the alternative is to stand under the TV and yell, lie, lie, fake news, and that won't get you anywhere. 
so ask to have the channel change. And if it's a non-political or non-news station, that's fine because it's all better than Fox. Harry Mason reruns, perhaps. I think that's the right idea. <laughs> there are many places where you can sort of exercise that. The number one best-selling new book of 2021, uh, according to Amazon, was by Mark Levin, the right-wing talk host called American Marxism. You know, people need to be complaining to these publishers about their choices in publishing. There needs to be more activism, I think, by citizens, by those of us who really care about the survival of American democracy, if we're going to preserve it. So Ellen alluded to, or maybe Rosemary did as well, the hypocrisy of Sean Hannity. Hannity, we know, is now claiming that it's his First Amendment right to refuse to cooperate with the Congressional Committee investigating January 6th, despite the fact that he was writing emails to the White House in the days leading up to it and afterwards referring to we, meaning he considers himself an advisor, a member of Trump's inner circle. Does he then yield his First Amendment rights as a journalist? Is he not a journalist because he's a commentator with a particular point of view? Or does he not have, in effect, ground to stand on in saying, no, I'm not going to cooperate with the committee because of my First Amendment right? There definitely is hypocrisy involved in his part. He has said repeatedly, I'm not a journalist. I'm a talk show host. And he certainly doesn't act like a journalist. And his actions in those email and in his daily calls, nightly calls to Trump, were as a political insider and as a Trump aide, not as a journalist. However, as soon as you're dealing with Congress going after information taken from a alleged news host or a, a news station, you run into really murky territory. The First Amendment has been defended in the past by pornographers. Certainly, I'm not one of those. Larry Flint did more for the First Amendment than I ever did as an investigative reporter. And so do I really want to throw him out and say, no, he doesn't get the protection? I think he should be granted full First Amendment rights. But that does not stop the committee from asking him questions about his involvement president, which are not journalistic. It does not stop them from asking him to volunteer information that he can give or not give. And as I've already done, made clear that he was operating not as a journalist, but as a Trump consigliere. Mm-hmm. I understand exactly what Rosemary is saying, and as a great Rosemary fan, I frequently agree with what she is saying. In this case, I certainly do. And he is a, well, how do I want to put this? He's a guy who really has annoyed an awful lot of journalists and has created this myth of I have rights and you have no right to talk to me to the January 6th committee. Look, he is a part of a problem that may bring down the whole American government. And of course, we have a right to have our representatives question him when it comes to something he did at one of these very vulnerable times. Yeah. Right. If Hannity okay. was a journalist, he would have reported on the air all of the stuff he knew what was going on behind the scenes, because that's what journalists do. They report the truth. And the truth is in these emails or these text messages to the White House. You know, it's not unusual. I mean, it's not unheard of for reporters to advise. It's out of the ordinary. But just think about Chris Cuomo, who lost his job doing a far lesser amount of advising to his brother, Andrew Cuomo. Ben Bradley, if you remember back in the day, was advising JFK when he was working for Newsweek, but to far lesser extent. Hannity was actually part of this kitchen cabinet or this, uh, he was an advisor to Trump in a way that no one else has ever been. We need to remember that the reason journalists object 
do not want to be part of the investigative process. We don't want to be subpoenaed. We want to retain our independence. We don't want the public to perceive us as part of that process. And in this case, nothing Hannity did was news gathering. He's gone on record in the past as saying, I'm not a journalist. But then again, he will turn around and he'll say, well, I'm an opinion journalist. He's as much a journalist as Oprah Winfrey is, and that's not a journalist at all. Are we doing enough to call out our brethren who have offended us. It's why it's such a bad thing to be arguing. We're arguing what is a journalist. I would say Oprah Winfrey definitely is a journalist. She interviews people, she broadcasts, and she fought a really important libel case. Again, Oprah Winfrey has done more for journalism than I have as an investigative reporter. We cannot say he is definitely or is not definitely a journalist. As soon as we do that, we give the regulators a way to get in and control us all. It's very dangerous. Mm. Having said that, you still think that Hannity ought to be speaking to the congressional investigators, right? I think that he is right. His lawyer, Jay Sekulow, is the one who did it, who is using this defense, and they should use it to the max, just as Julian Assange did. I also have questions about whether he's a journalist, but I appreciate his his right to claim he is a publisher and entitled to First Amendment protections. But that does not stop the committee. The First Amendment does not stop a committee from trying to get him to testify, just as journalists testify to certain events in courts of law. And the rules have been set by the Supreme Court, and if the information can be gotten no other way if it is crucial to their case, and especially if it has to do with wrongdoing, which in this case it does. It's a a potential crime that the committee is looking at. Then Hannity still has to testify, First Amendment or not. Okay, I need to turn to a letter from a listener, because we always invite people, media at wamc.org. We're interested in your point of view. One of Dr. Shartok's former students from years ago when he was teaching at SUNY New Paltz writes, Uh, Luke in Warwick writes to say uh, that he was watching the coverage of the uh, massive snowstorm that trapped people on I-95 in Virginia for uh, 29 hours, points out that a traveler who had been stuck said that after an hour or two of sitting, waiting for the traffic to move, he tried and failed to find a radio station with any information about what was going on, and not a single vehicle was moving. And despite the fact that the Virginia, Maryland, D.C. corridor is full of both AM and FM radio stations, none of them had live local news capability anymore through the night. And the traveler ended up tuning to Twitter to find out what was happening um, using hashtag like hashtag stuck out 95 and so forth. So the question that Luke and Warwick asked, what happened to the obligation of broadcasters to contribute to the public good and welfare? By reporting on the news, it can be important to the citizenry by providing important updates in the case of storms and other emergencies. What happened there? Is there no longer a public service obligation, or is it just beyond the budgetary capacity of news organizations to provide that kind of coverage? Anybody have thoughts on that? Well, I do. I do think it is the obligation of radio and television stations to report on this. Now, frankly, Rex, I heard a lot of that. Myself, Um, you know, I get up and I listen to the radio a little bit in the middle of the night, and I heard about this massive mess that was out there. So I I think Luke is an outstanding, was an outstanding student and a right to raise this stuff. But I think some of that was being done. There's also a technology issue here. Uh, Yes, radio and newspapers still have that same obligation to report news of public interest like that. However, Twitter is better. If you're going to look at something happening immediately, go to Twitter. Go even to Facebook or to the other social media, which covers that breaking news a hell of a lot better than we do anymore, than traditional media does. 
Well, and if you are traditional media, you are delivering it on Twitter anyway, right? I mean, your newsroom is using social media as your publication base. That is your platform. So probably the people who were turning to Twitter were getting it from some of the uh, legacy media, right? Yeah, that's a point, of course. But you don't like look for your newspaper on the doorstep, which is how I interpreted the letter, rather than go to Twitter and read what's coming in under uh, the hashtag storm or whatever. You know, events like this are fairly rare. They don't happen that often. But I have remembered times in the past when the power is out, when the cable TV is out and you are relying on radio for that information. And if the power is out for many days, the local newspaper on the doorstep will provide you the information about where to go for fresh water. There have been cases when tornadoes come through. Again, they don't happen that often, but it makes you realize that our reliance on the Internet, our reliance on cable TV is not fail-proof and that there are times when someone on the radio telling you that that this bridge is closed because, you know, there's a traffic mishap or that you can get fresh water if you're out of water at this location. It's, It's an essential service. The need for it doesn't happen all that often, thank goodness, but it is a wonderful service and it's it's sad because it's not like the information just flows. You need every person, a journalist, a reporter, an information gatherer to get the information and to put it out there, and that costs money. Or to open up the telephone lines, right, at WAMC, for example, Alan, you can bring people on the air who are sitting trapped in a traffic jam if that had happened here. And I know there are occasions when you all pile into the studio and go live when there – what was some big story this past year? You did that. You went live on a big story, as I recall. Uh, Cuomo's resignation, correct? Right, exactly. And if it's a storm or a hurricane, something like that, you can tap reader interest, reader, I'm saying, sorry, uh, listener and and viewer interest. And now the technology exists to actually, of course, get those voices on. And basically the media platform becomes a moderator of the uh, user-generated content. Yep. That's the term, folks. (laughs) Okay. We have run out of time. Our half hour is up. Yeah, I'm afraid so, Alan. We'll have to be around next week. We promise, folks, we will. Come back next week for the Media Project. Alan Shartok, I'm Rex Smith with Rosemary Armeo and Judy Patrick. We are appreciating our producer, David Gustina, and we appreciate you folks for joining us this week on the Media Project. Such interesting people When they know they've got a people's fight to wage Ting-a-ling-a-ling, newspaper guild Got a free new world to build Meet the people, that's a thrill All together fits the bill Oh, newspaper men are such interesting people It's wonderful to represent the flow Now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery She wanted money to buy a new fur coat to get insurance, she employed... The Media Project is a production of WAMC Northeast Public Radio. Alan Shartok is CEO of WAMC, Professor Emeritus at the State University of New York, commentator, columnist, and author. Rex Smith is the former editor of the Albany Times Union. Judy Patrick is the vice president for editorial development for the New York Press Association. And Rosemary Armeo is an investigative journalist and adjunct professor at the University at Albany. You can listen to or podcast The Media Project anytime at wamc.org or just download the WAMC app for your iPhone or Android at the Play Store today. Thanks for listening. Now, newspaper men are such interesting people. They used to work like hell just for romance. 
But finally the movies notwithstanding They all got tired of patches on their pants They organized a union to get a living wage They joined with other actors upon a living stage Now newspaper men are such interesting people When they know they've got a people's fight to wage Ting-a-ling-a-ling newspaper guild Got a free new world to build Meet the people, that's a thrill All together fits the bill Oh, newspaper men are such interesting people It's wonderful to represent the guild Now publishers are such interesting people Their policy is an acrobatic thing They claim to represent the common people. It's funny, Wall Street never has complained. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough. Now publishers are such interesting people. It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. <laughs>